Hi, welcome to our NFL show. On paper, week 12 of the NFL football season is one of the best of the season. Beginning with Thursday's three Thanksgiving Day games and ending with Monday Night Football's Seahawks versus Washington football team matchup. Two AFC North matchups come into focus, the only division where every team has a winning record. Pittsburgh travels to Cincinnati and Cleveland travels to Baltimore. Will the Bengals sweep the Steelers and take the next step toward a playoff berth with a second-year quarterback Joe Burrow? Will Lamar Jackson be back and help the Ravens try to gain more distance from the rest of the division? There are other great matchups on the schedule too. Tom Brady leads Tampa Bay into an all-too-familiar big game at Indianapolis. The Red Hot Patriots host the Titans. The Rams travel to face the Packers in a battle of NFC contenders too. Our NFL crew is ready to talk about this and much more coming up. NFL Week 12 Extravaganza. Guys, just one show this week, all 15 games, a football feast before that Thanksgiving feast just around the corner. And Scott, I know you've got another next-level idea as to why we're doing just one show this week pertaining to our good friend Chris. Yeah, well, uh, I started doing the math. We're doing two shows a week. Uh, this is now Week 12, which means we've done 11 times 2 is 22, plus eight or nine preseason shows. Nine preseason. So yeah, so we're in like, what, 31 shows, and, you know, Chris made the statement early on he was going to wear a different shirt every show, which is all fine, <laughs> but then he also likes to, re, you know, uh, I think as he describes it, uh, wear those celebratory shirts or floral shirts or Hawaiian shirts, whatever they are. It got so bad last week, he actually had a hole in one of them, but I think he said he put a pen in his pocket to cover up the hole, but now he must have run out of all those shirts because he's... Back to just a normal shirt this week. Good color match, though. We didn't even plan that. So great job, Chris. Well, you know what? I, I can't wear a flowered uh, celebratory shirt when uh, I get results like I did last week. I'm not happy with myself. So uh, I'm uh, getting back to hard work and have my studio, studious look about me today. <laughs> yeah. Well, if nothing else, Chris, really admire the commitment to changing it up. I think I'm working through a rotation of four or five different shirts. So uh, you're definitely pulling the weight for us collectively on that front. But to your note about our recent results, let's go ahead, as we do at the top of each show, and pull up our records for the season to date. Uh, to quote Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, I've had better. Guys, I think we've all had better. Currently looking at Chris with a 30 and 29 record, myself at 20 and 20. Scott at 17 and 17. And no excuses here. We'll do our best to keep providing as much value as possible with our picks, as well as the process that we work through as we break down each game on the board. And that next step in this season's journey takes us right into week 12. One quick housekeeping note before we get there. If you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give this video a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and jump in that chat. Let us know who you like as we work through the week 12 card. And on that note, guys, let's get to it. Starting on Thanksgiving with a triple header, the Bears at the Lions kicking things off. Chicago currently a three-point favorite, total 41.5. Let's call this our cheese and crackers game, a bit of a Thanksgiving appetizer to get things rolling for the day. And Chris, your Detroit Lions, the talking point every week, they're going to play hard for their coach. This week, might that be enough to finally get them into the win column? 
Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic here with the, the Nagy issue. I, I don't necessarily believe that Nagy is going to be fired after this game, but uh, there's certainly some uh, issues in the uh, in the uh, locker room. So does every single player come to play for the Bears uh, in this situation where they're essentially uh, out of any contention? Uh, I'm a little skeptical on that. So we're falling back into that category of uh, – uh, an even better category where you've got a bad team on the road uh, laying a bad team points. Uh, the oddity here, the oddity stat of the week, I don't have Detroit in the bottom five in offense or defense, if you can actually believe that, especially after these last two games. But uh, uh, both of these teams rank near the bottom of the league. Uh, Chicago's number 29 in offense. That'll help out the uh, Lions defense quite a bit. The only thing that I worry about, I think Dalton's the better quarterback and he can get more things done. He's going to make fewer mistakes. Obviously, they, he won't be running around like uh, Fields would, but uh, I, I think he's more dependable. Uh, we shall see. So uh, the Lions are still playing hard every week. And that's where I want my money is with a team that I know is going to bring it. Uh, they lost last year on Thanksgiving. They, uh, I, I think they really want to, sh you know, show up and do well this week. So I took the plus three and a half earlier in the week. It's plus three right now. I still like it at the, uh, at the, at the plus three. Yeah. And I've been leaning the lion's way. I think you might've sold me there, Chris. I've been looking at this as a matchup again of Andy Dalton against likely Jared Goff. And for the lions, it'll be interesting to see what they get from Goff because with Boyle under center last week, only 3.3 yards per pass, but that was an improvement week over week. So we'll see if Goff can get that pass, the offense back on track somehow. Even if he can generate just three and a half yards of pass, that would be another step in the right direction for the Lions offense. And for the Bears, one thing that gave me a little bit of pause potentially going against them, even though they lost last week to Baltimore, they were plus 2.3 in yards per play. So probably an unfair result, although they did get a lucky break dodging Lamar Jackson. And that Chicago defense on the field for 76 snaps, that could bring a lot of fatigue into this one with an extra quick turnaround to the early game on Thanksgiving. So, Chris, you may have sold me there on the Lions. Scott, what are you looking for in this one? Man, I uh, I so hope Jared Goff plays just so we get some kind of competency at the uh, quarterback position. And, and like Chris, um, I do think Dalton uh, gives him a little bit better chance to just run the offense and execute it. My numbers using uh, Dalton and Goff, so Goff is a key part of this, so I will wait until we have confirmation there, and I'll feel even better if Eddie Jackson's out again. But I get the number around 45 and a half points here. I think there could be some value on the over. We know Cleo Max out. Akeem Hicks uh, missed again last week. I don't believe he's practiced this week, so he could be out. If Eddie Jackson, the safety's out, um, you know, Detroit needs every advantage they can get to move the ball here. So, but if we can get Dalton Goff playing at a low total, obviously Allen Robinson missed last week. He may be out again this week for St. Louis or for um, Chicago. So that doesn't help. Both these teams, though, bottom 10 in pressure rates. They don't put any pressure on the quarterback. I was just looking back here. Uh, the Bears have won three straight here, and they've totaled 50, 44, and 39 points in those three games. So they're scoring some points uh, against this relatively low total. Chicago's gone over the total in their last five games as a road favorite. 
The one concern I'd have with Detroit, and we already know Detroit's a bad team, but they're 0-16 straight up their last 16 games as a home home dog. 11-5 and to the overdose. So, again, there's points being scored. The last time they won, Chris will remember this, 13-10 to against the Rams on opening day um, back week one in 2019. So a little concern there with Detroit being able to win. But, you know, again, Chicago's a crap team too. Um, I will maybe pull the uh, – especially if this would go down to 41, which is a key number – I would look at the over in this game uh, if I know Goff's playing and especially maybe if I know Eddie Jackson's out as well. I think it's got a chance to go over the total. Yeah, well, if Chicago-Detroit is our appetizer game, then let's call the next one on the slate our turkey and mashed potatoes game. The main course, Las Vegas at Dallas. Cowboys currently laying 7.5, total of 50.5. Scott, you're on a side in this one. Tell us who you like. I'm on Vegas, uh, plus the seven and a half, um, for really two reasons. Uh, I made the number a little over six, so maybe we've got a little bit of value there. Um, and Vegas is going to pop up in a really good situation that is done extremely well over the years for teams who are coming off multiple games of just performing bad in terms of scoring points. And you're never going to get a pretty team when you're playing these. I was just looking back this morning. Uh, this played Houston versus New England as a home dog. It won. It played Washington versus Tampa Bay as a home dog a couple weeks ago. Now it's also lost Washington at Denver, lost Chicago at home against San Francisco. So I think it's two and two this year. Um, but it's a really good situation. And, and I'd love to talk through this with you guys if you guys see something different from what I'm seeing. But um, first of all, for Dallas, we know there's no Amari Cooper. I find it hard to believe uh, C.D. Lamb will play. He's in concussion protocol, hasn't practiced. They are going to get Tyron Smith back, which helps him, obviously, uh, at the left tackle position. But the Raiders are tops in the league in big pass plays of 20 yards or more. And I was looking back since Gruden got fired, um, and also I looked at it since they got rid of Henry Ruggs, they really haven't slowed up in big pass play percentage. For the year, they're at 13.1%. Since Gruden left... And that was counting the Bears game, which he coached, but then was fired the next day. But there's a lot of turmoil going in that game. They've been at 13% since then and 12.2% since Ruggs uh, was let go. So they're down a little bit, but they're still getting big pass plays. They were better in success rate last week. They were better in yards per play. But the eye test tells me they were horrible last week. So uh, I don't really know what to make to think of that. But I, I just think this is a lot of points. The Raiders are still okay. They've got to turn some things around. But their numbers are not saying they're as bad as sometimes the eye test looks. So I'm going to give them a chance. And like I said, they're in that situation that has performed very well year after year after year. Uh, So I'm going to take a flyer with the Raiders getting the points. Yeah, but you said that that's big pass play percentage. If they're having fewer big pass plays, then uh, that makes a difference too. It does. That's true. Numbers numbers matter, right? Percentage, uh, obviously... You're right. I mean, they could have two, but I'll find it here. They seven against Denver, five against Philly, five against the Giants, four against Kansas City, five against Cincinnati. So I still think they're getting the volume as well. Ugh. You know, I had uh, buyer's remorse the last time I bet on the Raiders against uh, Kansas City, and I was glad I was sitting out the Cincinnati game last week. Uh, I, I just think that. Uh, They've got some real problems with this offense, and I look for uh, a Mariota appearance uh, this week, possibly. I think they're reaching the level where uh, they have to do something. 
And uh, like you said, Scott, uh, th- this is the type of uh, this is the type of game where you really have to uh, do something. You're on national TV. You're playing uh, America's team, and uh, you'd like to take these guys down a notch and take out some of your frustration from the last two losses on them. Uh, I have uh, uh, Dallas near the top of the league, obviously, and uh, they they're still improving. They're up two points. And the Raiders are in free fall. They've lost 5.4 points of value uh, versus the average team since week five. Uh, and uh, the, the one concern I have are the Dallas injuries. Uh, they seem to be, as you mentioned, I don't think Lamb's going to go. Um, and, and that's a concern because the, they're good. I, I think they're okay here <clears throat> because they can run the ball on the Raiders. So, uh, I'm going to be doing something different on this game because I don't want to lay seven and a half on this game. And even if it goes to seven, I'm not sure I want to lay that. Uh, what I'm going to do on this game, because this is a night, this is a separate day. Uh, what I did last week with Dallas, I didn't want to lay those points was, was it Dallas? It was somebody last week. Um, I start off and I use a multi-purpose parlay or teaser. So what I do is I, I'm going to take Dallas on the front leg of either a teaser or a parlay. And I think I'll do it as a parlay. And last week I did that with a team into Pittsburgh, but I used that into the points. So, and since I know ahead of time whether the first leg lost, I I look at the first leg as an isolated bet. Hey, I want Dallas pick. So I'm going to use X amount of funds on Dallas pick. And that's an isolated bet. And then I reevaluate and I put it into something else. I'm going to already bet later on. And I'm either going to uh, get a better price on a parlay or I'm going to get a better line on a teaser. And so that's what I'm going to be doing on this game with Dallas. I'm probably going to bet a full unit, split it into two, probably do a parlay with uh, or a teaser uh, on a later game uh that's coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and Chris, when you talk about the parlay, um, you mentioned not wanting to lay the points, so this would be a money line parlay, correct? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, a money line parlay. I wanted to be clear on that because I don't want to be. Uh, why should I lay minus one and a half uh, uh, and risk that necessarily? Uh, but you know, each each different each situation is different. It, it really. Uh, I, I like the payday last year or last week where. Instead of me laying minus 120 on a teaser, I was able to get plus 161, uh, laying the money line on a seven and a half point favorite and just taking the points on the second team I was betting anyway, plus the points. So I'd rather have the plus 160 than lay minus 120. Yeah, I hear you. But interestingly enough, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Dallas down to minus one and a half. They, they might one by one, and that could make the difference here. But I do like them in a teaser. I'll pair them with the Dolphins. We'll get to that game later. Um, with the Raiders, I know that they were plus almost two yards per play last week against the Bengals. So, Scott, there's one more number that could you know put them in a more favorable light for your bet. But I think this might tie in with some of the big plays you touched on. The Raiders have lost a few games in a row now after a 5-2 and two start. And some of these numbers might be a little bit empty during garbage time. So I'm also wondering if we adjust for game state what that might say about the Raiders. So not ready to pull the plug on them altogether yet. But when I look at this matchup with Dallas, I'm also expecting some positive regression for the Cowboys offense. I mean, nine points. 
off of five drives inside the Chiefs 30 last week. If they get inside the Raiders 35 times in this game, got to think that they'll be in good shape to win by a pretty decent margin. I am concerned about the skill position injuries. You guys have touched on Cooper, Lamb, Zeke probably going to go, but a little banged up. I do like that in the trenches, Tyron Smith, all signs point to him playing. That could be a big edge, Chris, as you touched on in the running game. So not interested in laying the full touchdown plus with Dallas, but feel good enough to ask them as the clearly superior team at home to do a little more than win outright. So Dallas is a teaser leg is my look at this game. All three of us involved in this one in some way or another. And we don't all have involvement in the nightcap, but there is some action. So we'll get to it. Buffalo, New Orleans, the Bills currently laying six and uh, actually six and a half. That was as low as minus four not too long ago. Total 45 and a half. And uh, let's call this the pumpkin pie game a little bit of a nightcap. Chris, I saw on our sheet you had mentioned Buffalo as a team you could possibly tie in with Dallas when you're talking about that money line parlay. Yeah, I uh, I put that on the sheet this week uh, because I'm really unclear on exactly what I'm going to do with Buffalo uh, at these lines that they are currently. Buffalo's down to six, by the way. Um, so it got it just got bet just a little bit on the New Orleans side, but. Uh, I'm just a little bit unclear on what I want to do with these two teams. I did take Buffalo minus four, but my numbers say do not lay the, the six. Basically, four was my ceiling. So if I'm talking about getting involved in this game at this point, I'm looking at a money line parlay. If you want to just, uh, you know, just get it done on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, Buffalo and Detroit or Dallas is is the easy, you know, parlay that I would consider. Uh, but if I had to bet this Buffalo fresh again, I would probably do what I spoke about with Dallas because I don't like that six, but I think they're going to win is I would, uh, parlay the Buffalo into either a, another money line, uh, parlay the money line from Buffalo into another money line, uh, on a later game on Sunday that I'm already going to bet or a teaser to get the extra points for the second half. You can mix and match that. So I, I'm wondering if whether the wheels are coming off the bus with Buffalo because, boy, they've been laying some turds here. They've gone from first in the league, and they, I think they're the seventh seed in the AFC all of a sudden. And for the first time all year, they're no longer the number one team in my metrics. And that's saying a lot because they were just miles ahead of every other team. Uh, they have lost 5.4 points in value versus the average team since week seven. While the Saints, even with some of the crap games they played, have gained 2.4 uh, uh, points. So uh, the Buffalo D, which we counted on, that that's that's failing more than the offense uh, lately. So uh, just some things that I'm concerned about, but I am on Buffalo in, in several different ways probably. Yeah, and for show purposes, official picks, it looks like a Bills-Cowboys money line parlay. And Chris, you've mentioned with both of these teams, pairing them to possible games on Sunday as well. I take it part of that is because we'll know the result from the Thursday game before the Sunday games kick off, so that gives you a little more maneuverability. But in this case, even on Thursday, these are standalone games, and you'll probably know with certainty. Uh, I, I don't know if they would kick off in New Orleans before the Cowboys game is over. Um, if they do, then there's probably little doubt as to the outcome of that Dallas game. So you'll probably know with certainty how Dallas has fared before Buffalo gets going. Does that give you more comfort in putting these two games on the same ticket, even though they're both playing on Thursday versus anything potentially on Sunday? Yeah, you know what I had for, for the show purposes, I had a deadline to put this in. I like that play. 
So, and I want both of those teams involved. I, I want to make this really clear. The way I'm using parlays and teasers uh, most of the time is I have multi-purpose to it. It's different and it has a different value innately because you're betting a first leg and have the option of making a additional decision afterward. You're using them for multi-purposes. So uh, I don't know that I've been clear on that, but it, 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 I find it very advantageous to, to be able to do that and get involved in games that I want to be involved in uh, in different ways. And it, it's a really strong way to use in, uh, in MMA uh, betting uh, on those money lines also. Yeah, when you've got separate events taking place at separate times, you can you know kind of give yourself some nice flexibility. So I think that makes a lot of sense. As far as my yeah. look at this, oh, go ahead. Finish. I'm, I'm only see. I, I'm that first leg is a bet you were going to make anyway on that first team. So you lose that first leg, it does. Hey, you, I was going to lose it anyway, and I lost it getting more equity into something else. So that's the way I compartmentalize the the usage of those first legs. Yeah, well said there. I think you've made that pretty clear. If anybody has any you know, thoughts, feel free to jump in the comments if there are any questions on Chris's approach here. As far as my approach goes, uh, the Bills, I know they were minus four in turnovers last week when they just got steamrolled by the Colts. I'm not sure the turnovers mattered in terms of the overall outcome in that game. They were probably going to lose regardless, even if turnovers were even. And with the Saints, not much better. They did have a better looking score cosmetically, but that was a lot of garbage time production from New Orleans. My big takeaway from that game, a good run defense doesn't necessarily translate to a mobile quarterback. We saw Jalen Hurts score three touchdowns on the ground and the Eagles as a whole, 244 rushing yards, more than five yards per carry if we exclude kneel downs at the end of the game. That has me really interested in seeing what Josh Allen might be able to do as a dual threat. So uh, something to keep an eye on, possibly on the props board, as those become more widely available over the next 24 hours. Scott, I know you're in play on this one uh, in multiple ways. Why don't you tell us how you're looking at the nightcap on Thanksgiving? Yeah, and I do agree with you, Matt. I mean, what they faced last week with Philly and, and Hurts, um, it's, just, it's, it's just different, right? So you almost can't even really register that against uh, what a conventional team would do from a rushing standpoint. But uh, like Chris, I like Buffalo here. Uh, I've got them favored by a little bit over seven, so I think there's some value there. Uh, but I'm going to put them in a money line parlay as well with another game that we'll talk about later. Uh, just feeling a little bit more comfortable about them being able to win the game as opposed to uh, covering the game. Um, man, this. by the way, I just saw as, as we were doing this, C.D. Lamb hoping to practice today, hoping to get clearance for tomorrow, so just FYI. Uh, other thing I see is Buffalo has no injury designations at all this week, completely healthy. The same cannot be said for the Saints. Um, as of yesterday, and I haven't seen anything for today, but Ingram and Kamara did not practice this week yet, so we'll see if they play at running back. Uh, uh, Adam Troutman, their tight end, is now on IR. Uh, left tackle last week, Landon Young, who was filling in for left tackle uh, Armstead, uh, well, Young is hurt now, so they they could be three deep if Armstead can't go. I think he put in a limited practice this week, so maybe he plays. They're already without right tackle uh, Ryan uh, Ramsek. Um, now, Hurst has filled in there uh, at right tackle. He's filling in for Armstead before. He's a decent uh, player, so it's not terrible for them, but um, they're getting pretty deep into their offensive line there. And then I saw uh, Marcus Davenport was hurt uh, and, and limited or didn't practice 
yesterday as well. So we don't know if he's going to play. So this is a really, really banged up team here. So, um, and then you add in Trevor Simeon, since he has started, I've got them uh, as the number 29 team rushing the ball. Now, obviously Camaro hasn't played in a couple games, so that's impacted them. But I've got them number two, number 32, last in the league, throwing the ball with Simeon as well. Radically enough, they've gone over the total four straight games here and thrown more passes in these last four games than they came close to in their, in their original games. But to your point, Matt, they've been behind in these games and been kind of forced to throw the ball. Maybe we get a little more Taysom Hill here with his new fresh contract. Uh, who knows? Um, but I like the under in this game. I, I made this total about 40 and a half. So I think there's some value to the under here. I think Buffalo is going to be focused. You know, to Chris's point, we'll see what we have in this Bills defense. We thought it was maybe better than it certainly showed last week. Um, you know, they let Indy go up and down the field on them. But I like Buffalo in a money line parlor here to bounce back. Um, and I like this game going under the total um, as well. They were blown out at home last week, and that usually translates well to a lower-scoring game the next week. I think that's about 5-3 and three on the year. So we'll play Buffalo as a, in the under and put them in a money line parlay as well. No shortage of action on Thanksgiving with that triple header, and it doesn't stop there. Moving on to the Sunday early window, Tennessee at New England, the Patriots all the way up to a six-and-a-half-point favorite total 44 and a half Chris you're on a side in this one tell us who it is well I, I don't have many things to pat myself on the back about uh, but uh, you you sad sacks were ridiculing me about having New England in the top five three four weeks ago so uh, I'm, I'm just patting myself on the back on that because my motto was able to pick that up a lot earlier than uh, uh, the the mainstream was able to do and uh that's what's really important about my model is finding teams that are collapsing or really uh, going underneath the radar. So a uh, little happy with that. Uh, so I've, I've bet seven New England Patriots games, not all on the Patriots, but I'm 7-0 and this year. So it's kind of a nice feeling on their games. Uh, Tennessee, uh, they're still up 3.14 points since week seven, even though they haven't looked good the last couple of weeks. They're not getting that first down success anymore without Henry in the lineup. And that's putting them in a tough spot on third and longs. And, and that's affecting, you know, basically uh, how their offense is able to be efficient. And uh, they had a lot of turnovers last week, I think. Is that what killed them? Or was it the red? they couldn't get in on the red zones? I forget. All of the above. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, they at least were able to move the ball a little bit last week. Uh, but this New England team... Boy, you don't step in front of a bus when it's barreling down the road. I mean, if you if you don't like New England, I you know that this is the type of thing where you kind of have to sit it out a little bit because this defense is operating at an amazing efficiency. And believe it or not, as strong as that defense is, New England has been increasing their value offensively versus the league at a two to one ratio because they keep opening the playbook up for Jones, give him a little bit more, a little bit more each week, whatever he's comfortable with. And, and that makes him all the more dangerous. So the, them being at home here, uh, I laid the five and a half on this. I still like it up to minus seven. Uh, I, I just think that they 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 are in a position to uh, to to win this game. They should win this game. There's Tennessee's got too many problems right now. They're they're getting Golden Tate, which might help in the short run, but uh, 
they they have too many holes to fill right now. Yeah, I feel like, as you touched on, Chris, these are two teams heading in opposite directions. The Patriots last week, plus two full yards per play. And again, their offense didn't even have to do a whole lot. That was just a dominant shutout performance by the defense. The Titans, minus five in turnovers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what didn't go right for them last Sunday. Starting to wonder if the pendulum is swinging a bit too far as this spread continues to go up. But no interest in stepping in front of New England right now. So it's a pass for me at the current number. Scott, this one rounding out a money line parlay you touched on that also involves the Bills. Yep, I like uh, New England in that money line parlay, Matt, uh, with Buffalo here. I make this number about nine and a half. My numbers, my models do not support Tennessee at all. We talked about that last week, and and um, they're showing up here again, making New England a pretty heavy favorite. Uh, that nine and a half is based on A.J. Brown being out. It'd be a little bit lower if he plays. Uh, but you guys' points... Uh, Julio Jones is already out. We know that. A.J. Brown gets hurt last week. Marcus Johnson, who had a, a pretty decent game the week before, he gets hurt, uh, doesn't even catch a pass last week. So, as Chris mentioned, they have to bring in Golden Tate. They're hurting there. Bud Dupree's out on the defensive side. They already lost their cornerback, Caleb Farley. Chris Jackson now is out at cornerback as well. So they're hurting back there as well. Here comes New England, who Chris kind of pointed out they're opening up the playbook. They're quietly now number three in big pass plays of 20 yards or more in the league. Uh, and like I said, they're doing it very quietly. Uh, Dante Hightower's back to go along with Matt Juden. They're putting pressure on the quarterback, number six in the league. Here comes Tennessee, number 26 in allowing sack percentages. So they don't protect the quarterback well. Tennessee, last in the league in big plays generated. A lot of that because they've had issues at receiver. Here's New England, number six in not allowing big pass plays. Uh, it just does not line up well uh, from that standpoint uh, for New England and uh, or for Tennessee. And New England is extremely healthy right now, which is great as well. Um, you know, the one caveat here, Tannehill, looking back, he's 5-2 and two against the spread as a road dog since he came over to Tennessee. So they have played well as a road dog here. Uh, so I'll respect that a little bit. But uh, I think the money line parlay is, is, a, is a good wager here. And like I said, I even have plenty of value on – uh, New England as a whole. This is a team that's moving up. I think, you know, Tennessee, they, they beat a lot of good teams, but I'm not sure it was all warranted. Um, like I said last week, half of those games could have went the other way as well. And I think we've got some value here on New England. You know, two things to add. Uh, we ridiculed Tennessee all last year for their uh, bottom of the barrel defense. I've got them up at number 12 this year somehow. So, boy, you could only imagine if they had uh, a worse defense how what that team would look like. Uh, still have them completely average, uh, as we've discussed in previous weeks. But this New England team, take a look at this New England team because this applies to all sports. When you can find a team like New England that has a bunch of no-names with no stars and just flies under the radar – Boy, you can ride teams like that in the NBA or hockey or or other sports all year long because everybody gets distracted by the the, the superstars and stuff and 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 what they are supposed to do, you know. Instead of you get a lot of value on these teams that it don't have star players playing very well. Yeah, and Scott, when you're looking at this one, you mentioned the money line parlay with Buffalo. What kind of price are you looking at? Because we might see some variability from book to book. So if somebody's out there able to shop lines, what number do you think they should look for? Well, you know, when we're looking at both those teams, obviously we could tease them six points down to, you know, pick them or maybe a half point uh, or we do the money line parlay. 
I think Matt, I'd have to look it up, but I think anything minus 280 or or better, uh, so 270, 260, I think equates to just as good as a normal conventional minus 120 on a teaser play. So I think, in, in, and I think um, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but um, I think we're going to find money lines uh, cheaper than that on both these games. So um, again, if it's two on average 280 or less. I think that translates to basically 120. Obviously, anything better than that would be a little bit cheaper than laying 120 on a teaser. Got it. Well, Chris just talks about some value on the Patriots uh, because perhaps the lack of superstars keeping some of the market off of them. And we've got two more teams devoid of superstars in this next (laughs) matchup, also from the AFC East and AFC South, respectively. The Jets traveling to Houston. Texans laying a juicy two and a half total 44 and a half. Scott, you've got a strong lean in this one. Tell us what you're looking for. Well, first of all, I just want to say I was ridiculed last week for saying I had so much value on Houston against Tennessee. Uh, and obviously they, they came in and won the game straight up. Now, with all that said, Houston was pretty lucky in that game, right? They only had a 37% success rate against Tennessee. Tennessee was closer to 50%. Clint, Tennessee just wasn't focused. Way too many mistakes that allowed ultimately uh, Houston to stay in that game and ultimately win the game. But um, these are two bad defenses and we get now it looks like Zach Wilson starting at quarterback. I don't know what to think of that because of COVID with uh, Flacco and, um, uh, and, 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 and Mike White, but at least Wilson will throw the ball down the field a little bit. Both these defenses are absolutely horrible. Um, so that leads to possibly having a chance to score some points here. We're going to get Tyrod Taylor back at home where Houston has actually done okay in terms of moving their offense a little bit at home. Uh, so both these teams with weak secondaries, I only make the total 45. So I, there's not necessarily value, at least from my number standpoint. Um, but I just think both teams actually have a chance to score a few points here in a relatively low total. You still got a lot of things that have to go right for you because we're still talking about two horrible teams here. But both of these secondaries are are very bad. And both these teams have some capability at the receiver position. And certainly with Taylor, he can move the ball a little bit. You know, Wilson, he's probably going to turn the ball over uh, some as well. But at least he's taking shots down the field. And all that lines up to at least give us a chance to have some scoring in this game. So I'm going to lean over uh, on 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 the total here. No real opinion on the side. Um, just looking back here, by the way, the Jets 2-11 against the spread as a road dog since the beginning of last year. They've allowed 24 or more points in 11 of those 13 games. So um, it would not surprise me to see te- uh, Houston get to 24, maybe a little bit more points in this game. And if the Jets can get to 20, we got a chance at the over. Just a lean on the over. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep this quick. I'm afraid if we spend much more than another minute on this game, we might start to lose some of the audience before some better games on the Sunday slate. But thorough analysis by Scott. I'll just note that it's a bit of a surprise to see the Texans as a clear favorite over anybody in the league. Of course, at home against the Jets is the spot where it would make perhaps the most sense. But Houston last week, I know that scoreboard result looks impressive in Tennessee. They only generated 3.1 yards per play. And again, they were plus five in turnovers. So a lot of good fortune last week that may not repeat itself. With the Jets getting Wilson back, I'm curious to see how the market continues to respond to that. It seems like they're treating him as a bit of a downgrade from Flacco and White. Uh, And if that continues, might eventually get in play on the Jets. At this current number, they'd be an honorable mention as a teaser candidate, just missing the cut uh, compared to Dallas and Miami. So uh, depending on what the market does, if we get another crack at the three, 
perhaps the money line. I'll, uh, to borrow a term from Chris, I'll let the market percolate and see if I end up pulling the trigger in any form on the Jets. Chris, what do you make of this one? Uh, well, both of these teams are very similar. They're both bottom five teams, obviously. But uh, actually, the Jets' offense I have rated, uh, uh, you know, quite a bit better than Houston's overall. You know, Taylor's going to make a bit of a difference being in the lineup. So, uh, with essentially, I don't want to waste time. All things being equal, these teams are pretty equal. And uh, I took the plus three, uh, and that's a tough line to find. I would definitely uh, shop and make sure you get the three and this would be a candidate for the second leg of a multi-purpose uh, teaser parlay type combo where uh if i can't get that three now well then maybe i'll uh, take dallas for my first leg uh on a money line uh into uh, the jets plus nine and a half or eight and a half on the teaser so uh that's uh basically the only considerations i'd have in this game at this point yeah, well, on that note, we'll move right along. The other New York team, the Giants, hosting the Eagles. Perhaps a new-look offense for the Giants here. Philadelphia laying 3.5, total 45.5. Chris, what do you make of the Giants moving on from Jason Garrett and handing their reins to Freddie Kitchens? Good riddance. Uh, I think I, uh, I read in this today's day and age, in his uh, tenure there at uh, New York, they didn't score 30 points once on offense. So, I mean, that's amazing. That's an accomplishment in this day and age in the NFL. (laughs) So, but you have Freddie Kitchens uh, ready to step in. And uh, he wasn't that great of a head coach, but uh, he's been in the same situation before uh, coming in as a replacement OC uh, with some success. Uh, I forget who he was with previously, probably that same Cleveland. Cleveland. But uh, uh, the Giants have been in free fall. They've lost six and a half points in value over the last seven weeks. And, and that's pretty ugly. That's it's significant. But this is a headache for Philly because now Philly doesn't know how to necessarily prepare because, uh, excuse the pun, uh, you know, they might throw the kitchen sink at the offense this week. So <laughs> uh, I, I expect the uh, the offense to be different. I expect them to try different things. They've been under uh, underutilizing what few players are actually healthy enough to show up every week. And uh, that's going to throw a monkey wrench in this. And uh, I'm not, I see Philadelphia's improvement with my eyes, but it's not at every aspect of the game. So uh, they're not climbing the charts like some teams uh, that are drawing the attention Philadelphia is. Yeah, well, I am going to uh, just quickly note, I talked a couple weeks ago about putting the Eagles in the drawer and getting a better feel for them because it seems like every week sharp money comes in and I can't make sense of it. I got burned last week fading them in the form of a Saints teaser leg. I'm going to try to do the prudent thing here and put the Eagles back in the drawer. Uh, And Scott, I'll toss it to you. I can see outside my window some landscapers arriving uh, a bit early, Thanksgiving off-cycle schedules colliding. So I'll go ahead and mute myself and toss it over to you, Scott, for this Eagles-Giants showdown. All right. Sounds good, Matt. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot here. I do have some value in the number uh, w- with the Giants. Um, whether I pull the uh, trigger on them or not, we'll see. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Freddie Kitchens either. I mean, uh, you know, you go from Jason Garrett to Freddie Kitchens, my God. Uh, I don't know what to think of that. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of value there with the Giants. I actually have them about a half point favorite, which seems a little ridiculous, but um, but you know, there's value there, especially at three and a half, whether I take them or not, we'll see. Um, I, 
nothing else really to say on this thing. I'll just say, I guess the Giants have been competitive at home this year. They've got wins over um, Carolina and the Raiders. They lost by three to Atlanta. So they've been competitive against the the worst teams. Philly isn't the worst team, though. They're kind of in the middle of the pack there. And the only teams that Philly really hasn't been competitive against is the really good teams, Dallas, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. They had that fluke game against the Raiders where I had Philly. And looking back now, it just makes you wonder how the Raiders ever blew them out in that game. Philly was never really in that game. But, um, you know, Philly's been pretty good against the lower-tier teams, so that gives me a little bit of hesitation to try to take the Giants in this game. But my numbers do have a little bit of value for New York. I hope you guys can hear me okay. I'll be quick with this one. I got the leaf blower like seemingly two feet away from my microphone. Next game on the board, the marquee showdown of the early window on Sunday, Tampa Bay at the Colts. The Bucks currently laying three on the road, total up to 52 and a half. Scott, what do you make of this big showdown with playoff implications for both conferences? Well, you know, I like to look at situations, Matt, too. I don't I don't necessarily rely on them to place bets, but um, they do help me sometimes to stay off games and sometimes get on games. Last week, Minnesota was a prime situational team uh, where they were just qualifying a lot of good situation uh, situations. Indy fits that bucket this week. They are in a lot of really good situations. And if you were just going to blindly play someone because of that, they would definitely be a play for me here. Uh, you know, this is at three right now. So if for some reason I went back to two and a half, I'd probably feel a little bit better uh, on a teaser at that. I know we've kind of discussed, well, you can go three to nine. It's not the end of the world. But um, – I would feel better with Indy in a teaser here. I make the number four and a half or so for Tampa. So a little bit of value there. I made the total about 53 and a half. Um, I'm not really interested necessarily in going over in this game, I don't think. But, um, you know, Tampa never won in lowest sack percentage allowed. Colts putting no pressure on the quarterback number 30 in the league. So Brady figures to possibly have some time. Obviously, they get Gronk back last week. Uh, I'm not sure about Antonio Brown's status yet, but I think he is in a very key part of this team if he comes back at some point just to help stretch the field. Tampa, number uh, number five in pass offense. Colts, number 28, defending the pass. However, as we know, Tampa Bay 0-5 against the spread as a road favorite this year. So they are not getting the job done on the road. Uh, they, they definitely play a little bit different on the road versus at home, but um, – I would love to play Indy. I just don't know if I'm comfortable even at the three. I'd pr probably prefer to get more points in this game if I was going to play Indy. Uh, but the situations definitely are in Indy's favor. And if I understand the math correctly, a flat three is generally better than a flat two and a half being used in a teaser leg. But Scott, it seems like in this specific matchup, you'd prefer the teaser leg if the market came back down. Um, am I correct in the math? And why would you feel more comfortable on the teaser if that's the case? Well, yeah, I'm not even saying I'm necessarily right in this, uh, Matt, in, in the sense that why wouldn't you take nine points versus eight and a half, right? I mean, uh, something seems wrong about not crossing over to three and, and the seven, of course. And, you know, here you had three. So are you better off maybe just taking the three as opposed to, you know, doing a teaser where now you've got to have something else win for you and three such a key number, obviously. So uh, I'm, I'm not even suggesting, you know, I'm necessarily right on that, but um, and I think, you know, when I looked at that before, when we had that discussion over the last few years, since, you know, the, um, the extra points been moved back and whatnot, we've seen a little bit more value that would maybe validate, you know, even teasing three up to nine, uh, as opposed to, you know, only two and a half. But, um, I just, I don't know if teams this year 
very competitively and stayed in most games. And I do feel that they can stay in this game. I just don't know if they can win it or, you know, cover the three necessarily. Yeah, and I'm with you on that last sentiment. I feel like the Colts were very good last week, but also lucky going plus four in turnovers. Second straight week, we can effectively say they got a special teams touchdown. I mean, they had a, uh, what, a a fumbled kickoff return where the Buffalo returner wasn't even touched, uh, gave the ball up, and the Colts got possession with first and goal at the two. So some good fortune to go along with some very good play from the Colts. And on the flip side, I don't think it's as much of a sell-high spot on Tampa Bay because 30-10 to doesn't do justice to the way they dominated the Giants on Monday night. So a lean for me toward the Bucs. And I, I also ask myself, what's the better dome team when we look at these rosters? I feel like the Colts are good in the elements, giving the ball to Taylor, ground and pound. Tampa Bay in these conditions with Tom Brady, he's playing great. I think he's the MVP front runner once again. Um, and with that offense in perfect conditions, that might be a big factor in this game. The X factor for me, keeping me off right now, the Colts run game has been so dominant lately. Jonathan Taylor really blossoming right now. But that Bucks run defense has been really stout. It looks like they'll get Vita Vea back. So trying to get a better read on that for now, just a lean toward Tampa Bay for me. Chris, what do you make of this one? I want to remind people about their teasers. You pay the exact same amount percentage-wise for every single half point. So you get six points. So when you're taking a teaser up to nine, which is still a dead number, you paid the same amount for that nine as you paid to get to the three or through the set, you know, past the seven. So that's why you have to really consider that you're losing value from the three to the nine. And uh, if you just remembered in that simple context that you pay for each half point the same amount, then you realize, ugh, why am I paying that for a nine, which is the lowest number landed in the NFL? But yeah, I to that point, really quickly, Chris, um, the the Colts plus three, I don't think anybody right now should probably be looking to tease them up. If anything, just take the three and leave it at that. I think that's the way to go if you're playing the Colts at this current number. Uh, I, I'm just looking really – I'm looking forward to seeing this game. It's uh, Both teams are way up. Uh, Tampa Bay's gained five points in value. Colts up six points in value. And uh, as we saw last week – Buffalo and Indianapolis are built for each other's stadiums. Indianapolis is built for the outside. Uh, Buffalo is built for the inside. So uh, Indianapolis can ground and pound, but they're 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 facing one of the best rush defenses in the league. So uh, that's what we said last week, and they ran all rough shot through them. So are they going to be able to do that to Tampa again? Because if they do, oh boy, hit those uh, hit those futures on the Colts because uh, they'll be there. I'm sitting this one out. I have exactly the same number Scott has at uh, four, four and a half. uh, And uh, it's not enough value for me in this situation. And uh, I'll just sit and be interested in the final. Hey, Quentin Nelson, too. We we need to see, you know, if he plays. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but obviously he was hurt last week, too. Pretty important piece of that offensive line for Indy. Yeah, well, moving on from a marquee matchup that Chris will be sitting out to a much less prestigious matchup that he's in play on, Atlanta going to Jacksonville, Falcons laying one on the road, total 46 and a half. Chris, what do you like in this one? This game fits the category of a, of a second leg of a multi-purpose. Uh, if you can't stomach uh, taking Jacksonville, uh, there's one and a half popping up. You can take Jacksonville plus seven and a half on a second leg of a multi-purpose teaser. Uh, for a portion. I, Atlanta is 
bad. They, they, they showed the signs of life that we predicted, and unfortunately, due to injuries and other issues with the team, they've lost four points of value. While Jacksonville's actually been relatively stable, they've only lost one point of value since uh, over the last seven weeks, and the Jacksonville defense has actually improved quite a bit. Uh, uh, Jacksonville no longer has a bottom five offense and no longer the 32 defense. So, uh, there are signs of life there, and this is a perfect situation where, uh, they should be able to take this at home. They've improved on my charts four out of the last six weeks, week to week, and Atlanta's gotten worse three out of the last four weeks, week to week. And I, I just think Atlanta's missing too many parts, uh, to be uh, laying a point or a point and a half on the road. So I'm going to be with Jacksonville here. Yeah, plus one and a half. I like the look toward the Jags as a teaser candidate. Otherwise, I make this the naked gun game. Just move on. Nothing to see here. (coughs) Scott, with that, I'll hand it over to you. Uh, I've got a little bit of value in Jacksonville. I don't know if I want him or not. Uh, I'd like to know if uh, Corderell Patterson's playing. That's that's a big piece of uh, Atlanta's offense. They obviously missed him tremendously last week. They're already without Ridley. Uh, you know, so if Patterson's not playing, then I feel like Jacksonville has a little bit better chance. Um, you know, Jacksonville's actually protected Lawrence pretty well. They're number nine in sack percentage allowed. Atlanta comes in with a number 31 pressure rate, so they're not putting pressure on the quarterback. That's favorable for Jacksonville. Uh, And Jacksonville's actually put pressure on the quarterback this year. They're number seven. So they might be able to put a little bit of pressure on Matt Ryan and company. Uh, And especially if he's missing his key pieces, that makes it a little bit more difficult as well. Got a pretty good under situation in this game as well. I mean, if we can get this total up to 47, maybe I would consider it. Looking back here too, Jacksonville, they haven't scored more than 19 points in the last seven games as a home dog. So they're just not scoring points here. So the under could come into play here a little bit as well. Um, you know, Atlanta against their worst teams this year, they won by three against the Giants, seven to the Jets, two versus Miami. So they're not blowing away the bad teams. Um, I just, I don't know if I want Jacksonville, but there is a little bit of value for me uh, on this game with Jacksonville. And I, I really need to see who's playing for Atlanta as well, because Patterson is a big difference maker for them as well. Yeah, on that note, let's move on to the next game on the board, guys. Carolina at Miami. The Panthers, a short favorite on the road, minus two, total 42. Chris, another side in play for you in this matchup. Well, Miami's uh, dug themselves out of the doldrums uh, recently. Their defense is way up from uh, number 32, but their offense is still number 31 in the league. Uh, So they're not moving the ball very well. And uh, they're just missing a lot of weapons on offense there. Uh, and they're going to face a top 10 defense in Carolina uh, at last look. Uh, Carolina has dropped a lot of value uh, for me over uh, recent weeks, uh, a huge drop of seven points of value since week five. And uh, But they're still in the top 10 offensively for me. So, uh, Offensively? Boy, what you know, they, they looked so bad last week. It's just amazing. And uh, it, it's it's it, it's really tough to advocate other than uh, why I'm on Carolina. But the, the I just had Carolina rated much higher. And I know Miami's been playing better, but there's just too much of a difference here uh, between these two teams for me to 
uh, not take Carolina on a short price here because uh, I think Carolina is still hopeful of a future this season. Chris, I may have misheard you, so this might just be a clarification on my part. I thought I might have heard you mention Carolina being top 10 offensively, but I've got to think if you have them top 10 anything, it would be defense. Defensively. Okay, cool. My fault if I misheard. Just wanted to make that clear that, yeah, the Panthers, a good offense. Uh, excuse me. Now, here I go. A good defense. The, uh, the offense, probably not so great, although a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of hype was Cam Newton making his return to the franchise. And with that, I'm seeing some value on the Dolphins in a teaser leg, taking them up to plus eight. So not necessarily going head to head there with you, Chris. Plenty of room for us both to win there. And even last week, you know, it was all eyes on Cam. And I think the better quarterback got the win. I don't think Miami needs the better quarterback in this one to keep the game competitive. What I like about this from a math standpoint in the teaser Lowest total on the board at 42. That total implies reduced variance and less variance. Almost always a big positive when we're taking an underdog up through a touchdown in a teaser. So that has me pairing the Dolphins plus eight with the Cowboys minus one and a half. Scott, what do you make of this matchup? Uh, Nothing for me, really. I I make it the number about one and a half, total of 40 and a half. So we're pretty much where we are. You know, I kind of started looking at this. I'm like, well, who was Carolina beat this year? Beat the Jets by five, Saints in that COVID situation, Houston by 15 with Davis Mills, Atlanta by six, Arizona without Kyler Murray. But then who is Miami defeated? They beat New England week one. They probably should have lost that game. It's week one for Mac Jones. That's understandable. They beat Houston. They beat the Jets. Pretty impressive in, uh, performance over Baltimore. Let's give them that. Um, but Miami hasn't really beat anybody either. So I come back to the number, one and a half, 40 and a half. It's no play for me. Got it. Well, then on that note, we will move on to a big AFC North showdown. The Steelers traveling to Cincinnati where the Bengals laying four and a half total 45. Scott, tell us about your outlook on this AFC North matchup. Uh, I make Cincinnati about a four point favorite here. It just seems like a lot of points for me, uh, or I should maybe I should just phrase it as a few too many points for me for a team that's not used to being bigger favorites in Cincinnati. And it looks like Pittsburgh's going to get back all the key elements on defense that they were missing last week. T.J. Watt, uh, Fitzpatrick in the secondary, Joe Hayden in the secondary. Um, you know, I, I played last week. I played uh, Herbert over, I think it was 276 passing uh, yards. Because um, looking back, when they were missing all those key elements, Watts and Hayden especially, um, you know, the Raiders threw on them. I think Burrow even threw on them in the, in the next game, I believe it was. And then, of course, uh, Herbert last week. But they're all back this week. So this defense should be a little bit better, obviously. Um, I, I just, it's hard for me to see Cincinnati laying this many points. I just haven't seen enough out of Cincinnati here recently to win by distance against a Pittsburgh team that has their elements on offense, uh, is getting their pieces back on defense. Pittsburgh 6-2 and two against the spread as a road dog since the beginning of last year, so they're staying competitive in these games. You can't look at last week's game with all those missing pieces on defense, so I'm not concerned about that. Uh, and I just don't think Cincinnati has done enough here um, to justify winning by margin against what is still a decent team in Pittsburgh. So I'm not playing the game, um, but if I were going to play something, I would take the dog. I think it's just a couple points, maybe too many. Yeah, I'm with you there. Cincinnati was the beneficiary of some positive variance against the Raiders last week. Again, Las Vegas, a convincing win in yards per play, but the Bengals with the more convincing win if we go by the final score. 
And the Steelers, though, also got some pretty big breaks in that fourth quarter. That game just went off the rails at times. Ultimately, Pittsburgh still outgained by the Chargers by more than three yards per play. So that gives me some pause when it comes to possibly pulling the trigger on Pittsburgh. Just a lean their way for me right now as well. How about you, Chris? I had this line uh, a little bit higher. I, I actually have it close to a touchdown. But as Scott mentioned, Pittsburgh's getting healthy again on defense, and, and and I just don't see any value in playing this matchup. Both of these teams have had uh, other, you know, Cincinnati was up last week, obviously, but uh, they were down three previous games for me in my ratings, and Pittsburgh's down three straight games in my ratings, and both of these teams have improved exactly one point over the last since week five. They're 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 awfully similar. I just don't see any value on this one. I'm sitting, you know. That takes us to the end of the early window on Sunday. We'll call a quick timeout for the YouTube audience. Friendly reminder, give us a quick thumbs up, jump in that chat, and on that note, we'll keep working down the Week 12 card, transitioning to the late window on Sunday. The Chargers in Denver to take on the Broncos, where the Chargers currently laying three on the road at reduced VIG. In fact, you can get them at even money, so minus 120 attached to that plus three for Denver. Total 47 and a half. Chris, another side in play for you here. Tell us who you like. Who's playing for Denver? I mean, really, who who's playing? I can't keep track of who they're playing. Who, who's playing on their roster? They're, everybody's in and out. Are, are, they, are they looking pretty healthy, Scott? Uh, that remains to be seen. You know, when we last saw them, they were missing probably four-fifths of their offensive line. I don't know if Garrett Bowles is going to play. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see what's going to be happening there. They did, um, I believe, announce that uh, Bradley Chubb could return this week. I don't know if he will because they've got 21 days, um, but that would be a big boost on the defense for him. But you're right. We don't know who's playing. Um, they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, that's uh, that's my major concern because my, my numbers say, uh, you know, an overall health rating on the team is not good, and uh, that concerns me in this situation. And uh, Chargers are relatively a little bit healthier, but uh, they have no defense. So uh, I'm supposed to play Denver in this game. And uh, I'm just having a hard time getting to the window on it because the last time I played them, uh, that was against Baltimore, and that was a huge no-show. And I was humiliated for placing that wager. Uh, (laughs) But uh, Denver's uh, been losing value versus the average team. They're down 4.2 versus the average team since week five. The Chargers are dropping value, too, at uh, 2.1 loss. So uh, those are my own metrics. Uh, I don't think these teams, believe it or not, are far enough apart to justify the Chargers being able to lay a field goal. Their, Their defense is just too porous and below average. And, uh, I, in a nutshell, that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to end up on Denver plus three. I want to see what the injury uh, shakeout is on this, though. Yeah, and I was going to follow up with you on that, Chris. On our sheet and in a graphic coming up later, we will have Denver plus three in your column. Um, but it sounds like that's pretty tentative right now. Is there anything else you're on the lookout for? Um, anything that could make you maybe want to take that one back? Oh, did I? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on Denver. It's, I'm looking for excuses not to, but uh, <laughs> I, I, there aren't going to be any. I, the Chargers just are not good enough. They're, they've got coaching deficiencies. Their secondary is still not fixed. Uh, their defense, uh, you know, Denver's at home here. 
I'm going to be at plus three on Denver. I'm just not, I'm trying to talk myself into mentally enjoying the bet though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it seems like sometimes the ones you enjoy the least are the ones that work out the best. So maybe that could work out well for my vantage point on this one aligned with you looking toward Denver. Um, I guess I'll keep it at just a strong lean for the time being. I was going to see if you could maybe sell me a bit more, but I get the trepidation. I know that the Chargers did outgain the Steelers by more than three yards per play last Sunday night, as we talked about in that Steelers-Bengals breakdown. And because the Chargers held on, the Chargers pajamas staved off suspension, still got them on as we record this show today. We'll see if they can uh, continue to earn that right. One interesting aspect for me as I look at this game, the Chargers beat writer for The Athletic, Daniel Popper, had a tweet yesterday outlining a lot of really positive metrics for the offense, kind of in defense of Joe Lombardi. And a lot of it boiled down to some elite numbers looking at expected points added. And I couldn't help but looking up their real points produced if, you know, if we want a term to kind of flip this, uh, the tables on expected points added. Because the Chargers not in the top 10 at points per play, points per game. So some DVOA, EPA metrics saying good things about the offense. I'm still not sold on Joe Lombardi. I'm not sure if there's some kind of disconnect there. I almost feel like the Chargers might be scheming to win some of these analytics versus doing what's really going to win for them on the scoreboard. And we've seen Justin Herbert struggle against some good defensive coaches this season and really produce against more vanilla schemes like what the Eagles threw at him. I think Vic Gangio might have a trick or two up his sleeve. So this has me looking to Denver and situationally the Chargers, short week on the road at elevation against the Denver team off its bye, and they've only played one road game since week seven. I got to think that's worth at least a little something. So for now, just a strong lean to Denver, but keep an eye in the comments below this video because as I continue to dig into this one, I'm getting really close to pulling the trigger on the Broncos. If and when I do so, I can lock that in as one more official play, again, in the comments below this video. Scott, not a side for you in this one, but you do have an angle that you're looking to get in play, also backing the Broncos. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go over the team total points of 22.5. I've got value with Denver, so I could have played that, and that's probably not a bad wager. Um, but I think we've got a decent chance for the, for the Broncos to get to 23 points. Chargers last in the league in run defense. Uh, and, you know, if you watch that game Sunday night, some of that's by design. Obviously, they'll they'll allow teams to run on them and, and just don't want to give up the big pass play. Uh, but I think that's very conducive for Denver. If they can get the running game going, they've got skill position at the receivers. You can have some faith in Bridgewater to at least run the offense, um, uh, at least fundamentally somewhat sound. So I think if they can run, they can get some play action out of that. Uh, they can they can get some uh, you know yards in the passing game as well. And, and granted, the Chargers have played a tougher schedule than what they're going to face this Sunday. But I'm looking here. Their last games, they've given up 37, 27, 24, 27, 34, 42. Uh, there was a 24 in there. They're three out of their first four games, they they allowed 20 or less points. Uh, but it's all gone south since, since then. Asante Samuel, concussion protocol. We'll see if he comes back uh, in the secondary for the Chargers. I just think the Broncos got a chance to be competitive in this game. And I've got them scoring more than the 22.5 points. So I think there's some value there. And they've been competitive since the beginning of last year as a home dog against the more average teams, if you will. And it's debatable. You could say the Chargers are better than that. But they lost by one at home to Vegas last year. They beat Miami. uh, And they beat these Chargers by one last year in a high-scoring game. So I think going over the 22.5, I think we've got some value here. You don't have team total points. I think you could play Denver plus, plus the points as well. And I think that's a value play as well. 
from a big AFC West showdown to a pivotal NFC showdown as far as the bottom of that playoff picture is currently looking. Minnesota at San Francisco. The Niners, a juicy minus three, total 48. Chris, it looked like uh, all three of us might have some good consensus on Minnesota, and then we were thrown a bit of a curveball shortly before recording. So what's your current outlook on this game? Well, I'm, I'm sitting back on this game a little bit. Uh, they announced uh, Tomlinson, uh, defensive lineman, uh, is going to be gone now, and that adds to their already uh, spotty injury situation. And then this morning, Everson Griffin has a uh, – a personal matter that uh, is drawing quite a bit of attention that makes it pretty clear or he's not going to be around for a while. And uh, so I want to see how this kind of maps out throughout the course of the week, but I have these teams pretty darn similar and uh, it's going to be strength into strength where uh, I have Minnesota is, is a top five offense and San Francisco strong suit actually has been their uh, defense uh, they're looking. Uh, they, they're looking through the window into the top ten uh, defensively. So uh, we know San Francisco's come to play two weeks in a row, and uh, it's do or die time for Minnesota. Uh, at five, the, both of these teams are five and five, so very important game. And uh, I like the points in this situation when these teams are so similar. So I'm looking to play the points. I still want to see what maps out with the injuries and uh, this Griffin and, and the whole mood uh, and environment between uh, what's going on with the Vikings. Yeah, agreed with you there. The Vikings plus three at even money were my look. I, I got that on our sheet to send to production for graphics to be created at this stage. Uh, the Griffin news certainly uh, throws a bit of a curveball into the equation. But hey, I've, I've made my bed with that Vikings plus three pick and I'm OK to lie in it. I think that both of these teams were pretty fortunate last week. The Vikings losing to the Packers by almost two and a half yards per play, but winning the game outright, thanks in no small part to good fortune when we look at third downs and red zone production and penalties. Uh, the Niners more or less lucky by virtue of drawing the Jags, so they looked good just by playing a pretty clean game. But going back one week further to week 10, the Vikings not so lucky. That was a fair win and cover for them over the Chargers. And the Niners got a pretty lopsided scoreboard result. Big win over the Rams on Monday night. But the stats for that one were pretty even. So I struggled to get around on the Niners as the clear better team, as this point spread would indicate. Again, everything with the Vikings defensive front with Tomlinson and Griffin, worth monitoring for now. But I think one of the key factors working the Vikings' favor could be Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen possibly going to town on that San Francisco secondary. Scott, what are you looking for in this one? Well, you know, I think on our sheet, we'll have uh, Minnesota plus three uh, for all of us. Uh, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a little reserved in that now. I, I did have a little bit of value with San Francisco in that. But the Everson Griffin, Griffin news is uh, it's disturbing. I mean, hopefully he gets better. But, um, you know, I think there's a good chance he doesn't play. Uh, and remember, they lost Daniel Hunter a few weeks ago. So with Hunter and Griffin, those are their top two pressure guys and top two sack guys. Um, now San Francisco's, their offense obviously is predicated via the run, which sets up everything else play action, but the Vikings come in number 30 and run defense as well. So, and we know, and I've always kind of said this about Garoppolo, if they can run the ball, if San Francisco can run the ball, play within the context of their offense, then they can use Garoppolo to be effective in the play action and whatnot. So, um, it just concerns me that they might be able to run the ball. There's going to be a, a lack of pressure if Griffin's out. Um, so I'm not nearly as high in Minnesota plus three if that plays out that way. Um, 
But, you know, prior to that, there was some value. Only other thing I'll add here, Zimmer, 18-10 and 10 now since he got to Minnesota as a non-division road dog. In other words, playing teams that maybe don't quite as well know him as well as the divisional teams. And we know San Francisco has been horrible as a home favorite, 0-9 against the spread their last nine. You could add in those two games they were favored uh, in Arizona last year when they had to move their home field. If you want to count that, they're 0-11. So they're not covering laying the number at home uh, or on a neutral field, which is different than playing away as an away favorite. And the Vikings have been pretty good uh, covering games as a road dog. And Vikings have been in most games this year. So I do think there's a chance, like you said, Cousins is playing great football. Uh, and if you got the receivers, but uh, I'm a little concerned, uh, you know, with the Griffin news. That just takes away from the defense. And you start to get cluster injuries or whatever you want to call them in that line, and that can start to have an impact on them. And Scott, you're the totals expert among the three of us. When we talk about a lot to like with the Vikings offense and now having some concerns with their defense, uh, does that change the equation in terms of how you look possibly at an over for this matchup? Well, I made the number before the Griffin news, and I have not updated my numbers since then, Matt. So I made the number 47, so a little uh, to the under, I guess, based on that. Uh, And the 49ers, if they run the ball a lot, they're going to eat clock. I mean, uh, let's look at what they've done the last two weeks. Last week, in that op- was it the opening drive against Jacksonville? They went like 10 minutes or something and settled for a field goal. Uh, and I only saw bits and pieces of the Rams game, but I, I think they had long drives in that game too. So that would be a little concerning to me if um, you know, you're looking to play the over, uh, if they just start to utilize clock and they can run the ball on the Vikings. Uh, and like I said, I made the number 47. Uh, maybe that ticks up closer to 48 once I put the Griffin stuff in there. Uh, so I'm kind of on the number basically. So... Uh, no no strong feeling on the total for me. Got it. Well, Vikings 49ers, not the only NFC North versus NFC West matchup in the late window on Sunday with some big playoff implications. We've also got the Rams heading to Green Bay to take on the Packers. That number already down to pick them after the Packers were a bigger favorite to start the week. Total 48. And Scott, what do you look for with your Packers involved in this one? Uh, yeah, I, and I made the game pick them. I made the total higher, um, but you know, it's going to be 35 degrees there, some wind, maybe 10 to 20 miles an hour. That total got bounced down earlier in the week. I don't know if it was because of the weather or possibly because we, we found out Jenkins, their left guard, very good left guard that's been playing left tackle for him in, in place of Bakhtiari, uh, their all pro left tackle. Well, they lost Jenkins last week for the, for the rest of the year. Uh, and now Bakhtiari, um, who's been trying to come back uh, every week here recently, he just had to have another uh, cleanup surgery. So he's probably not coming back until December if he comes back. So that whole left side of that line uh, is really decimated for the Packers right now. So yes, Aaron Rodgers, a good quarterback can, um, you know, make a, a bad offensive line better, obviously, and the way they run that offense. So that's favorable for him, but that's a challenge. Rob uh, Rogers is dealing with a toe injury as well. So I don't really have any opinion. I, I think I would probably lean the Rams way if this ticked back up a little bit, but um, I made it pick them. I made the number a little bit higher on the total, but uh, I'm not too inclined to go to the over. Packers are a very, very slow playing team, uh, so that doesn't help a total higher total as well. So no play for me in this game. Yeah, if you would have told me this line would drop more than a couple points from the opener against the Packers, I would have been inclined probably to look their way considering that they were – 
uh, subject to some pretty negative variance against the Vikings last weekend. Probably deserved to win that game outright if we look at some of the more meaningful metrics. That said, both quarterbacks in this one, some big questions for me. Rodgers with seemingly a pretty bad toe injury. Matthew Stafford, maybe some stuff going on with his back that's not really getting reported a whole lot. But Chris, it sounds like you were ahead of the curve as far as that could be concerned. So what's your outlook for this one? Well, yeah, I think he, he probably does have some nagging uh, issues. We used to see it every year in uh, in Detroit. So we're just going to have to see how serious it is. My numbers came out to one team favored by 0.13 of a point and the other team favored by point. And my other uh, model had the other team favored by 0.10 of a point. Uh, Green Bay's trending much higher than the Rams recently. Uh, but I'm sitting this one out. Uh, nothing more to say. Sounds Good like you watch. should probably shop around for the odds on a tie with those two models uh, putting this one that tight. It's tight. It's tight. All right. Well, on that note, we will uh, hit the home stretch here. A couple primetime games left to go. Sunday night football, Cleveland in Baltimore. The Ravens laying three and a half, total 46. Chris, tell us what you're looking for in this one. Well, my pop-up just came on, seriously, just as you started talking about the game, uh, Jackson is officially probable. I didn't realize he was anything, uh, well, I guess I guess he was yeah. questionable before that, so he is probable, and, and now the line is all red, and those three and a halfs are going to be gone, probably. That line did seem low. Um but I don't have anything uh, that really is going to put me on this game. I have this line at uh, higher than the three and a half, but not enough to get involved. Uh, Cleveland is falling apart. They've lost 8.3 points of value over the, since week five. Uh, and uh, Baltimore is unchanged. So that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, because as, if you paid attention, most of these good, better teams are moving up some way, somehow. A little bit of a concern there. Um, Cleveland is just smack dab in the middle, an average team, all, all, you know, every which way that I look at them. And uh, Baltimore's defense is letting them down this year. They're very average. You know, they were top five defense in years past. They're, they're number 15. And uh, uh, they're top 10 uh offensively barely so they're just slipping and i just don't see any uh uh, uh anything uh, on this game that puts me on it the only interesting thing i have to say is cleveland plays baltimore two games in a row and that's kind of unusual yeah well you just talked about the ravens defense maybe we have to pivot a bit on them with how they're playing this year and i think it's time to pivot perhaps for the second time in just a few weeks on the browns defense they really put together a good showing against the Bengals a few weeks ago. It seemed like they were getting healthier. The arrow was pointing up. And then we saw the 45-7 loss to New England. And even though they won last week, not a great-looking win over the Lions. And they allowed more than seven yards per rush when they knew all they needed to do was take away the run, essentially, with Boyle at quarterback for the Lions. So some red flags popping back up for that Browns defense. And as far as the Ravens go, they got a win that they maybe didn't deserve losing to the Browns by more than two yards of play last week. Again, we can take that with a big grain of salt since they didn't have Lamar Jackson. Uh, they did get some good fortune on third and fourth down. Overall, that amounts to pretty much a wash for me. Scott, what are you looking for on Sunday Night Football? I've got a little bit of value here in Cleveland. Um, but as Chris said, they're, they're, they're a bit of a mess, so it's hard for me to trust them. Looks like they might um, get Jack Conklin back. The right tackle's been out for a while. 
again, uh, they can activate him at any time in the next three weeks. So whether he gets activated this week or not, we'll see. Uh, but that would be a boost to that offensive line. I just, you know, I think I pointed this out a few weeks ago. Cleveland, I just find very interesting. Going back to the beginning of last year, which they were a pretty good team. Uh, I think Chris talked in the preseason. He had them, what, 17 or 18. So, you know, he didn't have them necessarily high. But they had a good record, right? They were uh, – it was a big improvement for Cleveland. But since the beginning of last year, seven of their last eight games as a road dog, they've allowed 33 or more points. That one game against the Bengals a few weeks ago was the one game they didn't. So they're – when they're the inferior team, they're giving up points on the road – uh, in pretty big bunches. They've also scored 29 or more in five of those same eight games. The other three games, ironically, they scored seven or less. So they they got blown out by the Ravens. I think it was week one last year um, against Baltimore. But I don't trust Baltimore laying points here. Looking at Lamar Jackson, they're just three and nine against the spread as a home favorite of seven or less points with Jackson starting. So they're not necessarily getting the job done when they're a little bit lower favorite compared to being, uh, you know, a larger favorite where, as we've talked about before, they've kind of bullied the the uh, inferior team. So I don't trust Baltimore laying the points, uh, even though it's a little bit lower number than laying, you know, six or seven points. Um, and I'm just worried about Cleveland. I'd be on Cleveland otherwise. I made the number about 48, though, so we got some value to the over. So I may still may, maybe play this, this game over the total possibly. Um, but right now, nothing for me, but I, I would look possibly over. And if I can get some confidence in Cleveland, I would take him. But I, I don't I don't I don't know how healthy Mayfield is either. Um he says he's gonna play, he's gonna practice today. Um, but I'm not sure how healthy he is either. Fourteen games down, one to go. Monday night football, the Seahawks traveling across the country to take on Washington. And Washington's gone from a two and a half point underdog at the start of the week to a one point favorite total 46 and a half and Scott a little perplexing that Washington was ever an underdog in this one yeah when I saw that come out Sunday I texted one of my buddies I said why is Seattle favored I mean Chris has been on uh you know this narrative for a few weeks now about how bad Seattle is and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better for them um where Washington you know one thing in the NFL we pointed this out a couple weeks ago and then kind of let it slip by last week but Washington got some people back in their offensive line a few weeks ago. And you kind of notice that one week. And then sometimes you may tend to forget it when you go to get to the next week because it's not new and fresh anymore. Um, but they are somewhat healthy in the offensive line. We're starting to see their offense tick up a little bit because of that uh, over the last couple of weeks. We know about the injuries on the defensive line. Uh, they're, you know, their best run defenders, best pressure guys are now out for a while uh, or, or the rest of the year. So that needs to be kept in mind here. But Seattle is just not threatening anybody here. So I make the number basically a pick on maybe a half-point favor for Washington. So I really want to play Washington, uh, maybe out of principle, but I'm not seeing the value. But this Seattle team, um, they are doing nothing right now, and I don't see them doing anything in this game by Washington either. Um, but I, you know, based on where my numbers are, I'm not seeing value in playing Washington. But for me, it would be Washington or nothing if, if I played this game. Yeah, I think the markets pretty much beat this number into place, so not too much to add given the current point spread we're looking at. Uh, the only X factor I'm thinking of, and I, I never thought that it would come down to this, but Chris, between Russell Wilson and Taylor Heineke, who's the better quarterback right now? Uh, you know, right now, Heineke's been performing better over the last couple of weeks. Uh, 
We, we all know how I've uh, dumped on both of these teams at one point or another, but you have to be ready to pivot, uh, and I'm more than happy to pivot. Uh, Washington is definitely trending up. You know, most recently they've improved five weeks in a row. But when you go back to week five, you look back, uh, they're both down the exact same amount. So Washington was really down. And Seattle's just consistently done. And unfortunately, we had the warning. I mean, this is where the model comes in really handy, where Seattle had a lot of support. And, and I was, you know, beating the drum saying they're no good. I mean, they are no good. And uh, you don't see that with your eyes necessarily. You see the glamour players and you see the glamour coach and 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 you've got the history nagging in the back of your head. But if you have a, some sort of a model and you're only looking at teams uh, you know, by the statistics, you can get off of teams like that. But in a nutshell, I have this this game just too much of a uh, of a, of a toss up, so to speak. When I saw the line, uh, I initially thought, uh, like Scott, boy, what the who the hell is uh, uh, Washington to be getting points at home? So I was going to jump on it and I go, well, I better double check my numbers. And believe it or not. It looked like it was a good number, but it changed so much. I don't see that much change week to week that it actually flipped over to the Washington side. So I have Washington a small favorite, but not as much, not enough to bet them. Uh, and I'm done with Seattle. <laughs> yeah, and we're done running through the week 12 slate on this stage. We can move on to a graphic showing our best bets for the week. And we've got some consensus with Chris and Scott looking at the Bills on a Moneyline parlay. The Vikings plus three, a semi-consensus play as we try to sort through some of the early morning news that we've gotten about their defensive front on Wednesday. Chris, I'll toss it over to you. Give us a rapid-fire recap of your bets for this week. And why don't you uh, go ahead and isolate your best bet on the Week 12 board? You want me to recap my bets? <laughs> go for it. What's your, what's, your, what's your best bet and speak to anything that stands out to you? Um, I like the Lions probably at this point more than any other game. I was leaning toward Minnesota before the Griffin news, but I have Detroit plus three this week. I've got Dallas and Buffalo parlayed officially. Uh, again, refer back to my notes about uh, um, in the in the previous discussions on how to use them as a uh, a first leg into other things. I have New England. I have Jacksonville, I have Carolina, I have Denver, and I have Minnesota this week. That is a full-looking card, and uh, not so much the case when we get to the middle column of this graphic. Currently, I'm on the Cowboys and Dolphins in a teaser, taking Dallas down to minus one and a half, paired with Miami plus eight. Also on Minnesota plus the three. At the moment, I'd make that teaser my best bet. And I am really close, everybody, to pulling the trigger on Detroit plus three, as well as Denver plus three over the next couple of days. Um, any of us might add any official plays that we add to the comments below this video. So keep an eye out. This might not be the end of our best bets for week 12. Scott, walk us through what you're looking at for week 12, as well as your best bet on this week's card. Yeah, we've got uh, Vegas plus seven and a half. Um... You know, Vegas has looked horrible, but they're in a very good situation, slight value. Um, so I'll, I will hold my nose and, and take a chance on the Raiders. Um, Buffalo, New Orleans under 45 and a half. I think there's some value to the under here. I made the total about 40. 
I also expect Buffalo to bounce back here. Uh, I trust them best in a money line parlay. Let's put that with New England, uh, a Tennessee team that is really, really beat up. Uh, the game I probably like the best on this board here is the Denver team total over 22 and a half. Chargers last in the league in, 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 um, in rush defense. Denver will be able to run the ball, if nothing else, because the Chargers will allow them because that's their uh, philosophy on defense. But I think that also opens it up to allow Denver to hit some of their skill position players at the receiver position and move the ball. And this is a Charger team that's given up 24 more points six straight weeks. Uh, so getting over this number, where 23 for Denver at home coming off their bye week, I think is very, very achievable. Last, we got Minnesota there. A little reservation there if Griffin's out as well, which I expect him to probably be. Uh, I probably would not have played this with Griffin, uh, knowing Griffin would be out. But uh, nonetheless, we've got it on the board, and we'll take the Vikings plus the three points as well. And that'll take us to the end of our Week 12 Marathon pre-Thanksgiving show. One friendly reminder, if you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And go ahead and jump in the comments if you have any official plays uh, that you'd like to follow or push back on. And again, keep an eye on the comment section below this video for any plays that we may lock in over the next couple of days as well. Beyond that, everybody, thanks for joining us here at BetUS where the game begins. Best of luck with your Week 12 action. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you next week.